0: It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast, keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. But you know, still he's Yakless. Oh. He's the Yakless Lender. He is. My God. Good job, Zach Ertz, baby. Love it, Ertzy, babe. Ertzy, babe. Whether it's the fight in Phils, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. God damn it, I love Chase Utley. And John Mita.
1: Karen Williams, do me a favor. For one week, can I not talk about you?
0: It is the Brotherly Love Podcast. SoundCloud, iTunes, what is up, what is up? It has been a minute, but we're back and better than ever. Joe O'Donnell here, John Mita there. We have a ton to get into. And we will start with another parade, my friend. Johnny Meta. Oh. Yeah, Buddy. Little Villanova fight song, little V for victory. Cutting down the nets again last week. What do you think, brother? You're like you're like the champion of the world right now. Whew. You're hot. Kids feels, hot.
1: It feels so good, man. It's uh I mean, words can't describe what has happened the last couple of years. Oh, yeah, and by the way, the Eagles won the Super Bowl.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they sure did. They sure did. And, uh, well, they deserved it. Villanova deserved the national title. They got it done. Uh, What jumps out the most about Nova Nation cutting down the nets second time in three years? Well, there's a couple.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, it just puts this program on a new level, which is amazing. Now they're in the conversation with the Dukes, the Carolinas, the Kentuckys. I mean, it's it's just remarkable what they did. I I had a really good feeling that they could get to the Final Four, the way things turned out for them, but you also have to look at their dominance. I mean, they beat every team by double digits, and, and that's really hard to do when you get into the, one of the most competitive tournaments of all time. I mean, And, let, it and let's just,
0: let's be clear on this. This wasn't like up by seven or eight with a minute left and a bunch of foul shots put it away. This was straight domination in basically every uh, game. Start
1: to finish in a lot of these games. And their final four performance against Kansas, where Eric Paschal goes 10 of 11 from the floor, they shoot the lights out, they hit 18 three-pointers, they had 13 threes and a the half. They shattered the, the record for most threes by any Division One team in college basketball history. That was the most prolific shooting performance that I've ever witnessed. And it's and you got to give them a lot of credit. Offensively, they were fantastic all year, averaging around 85 points a game. But when it came down to it, when they had to the lock down defensively, that that's what set this team apart. They, they were' in a dogfight against West Virginia, and that game took a lot out of them. It was like being in a street brawl. They go up against Texas Tech who I was kind of a little worried about just because of the way how many athletes they had six five and over could shoot the ball, you know, get on the glass, they totally out rebounded them and you know they still won by twelve and they shot thirty three percent. Then they get to the final four, they blow Kansas out of the water and so one thing with this team was you looked, you know, throughout the course of the tournament, it was a different guy stepping up every game. You know, one day it was Mikhail Bridges. The other day it was Eric Brunson. Or, uh, J- Eric Brunson, my God. Jalen Brunson. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Nah, yeah, that's terrible. And then you looked at a guy like Eric Paschal, who's – and then Amari Spellman. I mean, it just – and they were just so deep. And the fact that because they dealt with so many injuries early on – with this wrist injury epidemic, a lot of guys got a great amount of playing time throughout the course of the year, and I think that helped them when it came down to it. Michigan came out strong in that first game, but it, it just in that and in, in the final game, and they just they gave their the best punch that they could give, and it just wasn't enough. Dante Divincenzo. Played the best game of his career, improved his NBA stock big time, and it was uh, it, it was tremendous. And you got to give a lot of kudos to Jay Wright. Yep, to win two national championships in three years and put yourself in the conversation. Now you can you can actually put a damn stamp on it. Yep. The guy is going to the Hall of Fame. Yep, what he's done. I think the one thing I was talking about earlier tonight with some friends, the one thing that he has done is that the way he develops players over the course of two to three years, that's the secret ingredient. That's what these other programs are missing when they only have these one-and-dones. And And it it was just another phenomenal run. But now kids all over the country are going to want to come play for Villanova. They're going to have that status now. I mean, think about this. He's got more national championships, than Jim Bayheim and Tom Izzo, and John Calipari. I mean, think about the coaches. Because they won the championship this year that he has passed. Yeah. It's a tremendous achievement. you got to give big kudos to Jalen Brunson. He took home all the player of the year hardware, well-deserved. Mikhail Bridges won the small forward, the Julius Serving Award, and deserving himself. The one thing that stuck out about this team, and I'm going to draw a parallel to so our beloved football team, is their team chemistry was fantastic. And they just, you could tell, they liked playing with one another. It didn't matter who scored the most points in the game, who had the most stats. It was all about T-E-A-N, man. Yeah, they, they were a complete look, that, team.
0: That culture now is uh, its on the radar across college basketball. Um, national analysts are talking about it. They were talking about it throughout the tournament. And for the most part, well, more than that, so far, they they are a clean program. And in the NCAA, that's not easy to do. Now, who knows years from now what happens, what comes up, what stories develop. Every program seems to go through it. But so far, Jay Wright's done a good job of keeping them on the straight and narrow from that regard. And that just only furthers just how impressive they've been over this run. Late in the regular season... They had some concerning losses. They were turning the ball over. They were showing maybe at times some youth. Uh, They weren't shooting that well. They got it together at the right time, man. And that was as impressive as a run as it gets. And they have stamped themselves. You're right. They are on the national map. If they weren't already, don't sleep on Nova Nation anymore, folks. And, uh, And I don't see that program now going anywhere for a while. We talked about when they won the title two years ago. I remember sitting in the studio and we did the podcast and you talked about the recruits that they were going to get based on that. Now two and three years, man, that's something that hasn't been done in college basketball in a very long time, and I'm um, happy for you, my friend. Happy for you to enjoy that. And same for Keith Michaels, because if we don't mention how happy we are for uh, him, we'll be hearing about it.
1: It's like a dream come true. He was able to get to the parade this year. He wasn't in Dubois, so I'm very happy for him.
0: You wanted to touch on the Masters real quick, which just wrapped up over the weekend. Uh, Again, Brotherly Love Podcast, SoundCloud and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at Beloved Podcast. Share your thoughts, your takeaway uh, on the Masters, which wrapped up over the weekend. Had a great finish right down on the wire.
1: It lived up to the billing. This was a tournament where so many different storylines. You had Tiger coming back into the fold. Is he going to be able to compete in the major? You had so many other players playing very well. Jordan Spieth playing well. Ricky Fowler, newcomer John Rahm. some of the top players, and you just thought, "Oh my God, this is going to be so competitive." Towards the end of the stretch of the tournament, how many of these top ten golfers are going to be in the mix? And pretty much everyone was in the mix. I also got to give big props to Tony Finau. This guy literally dislocated. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. He dislocates his ankle, celebrating in the par three contest. It was the sickest thing I've ever seen. He dislocates his ankle. He pops it back into place, and he ends up finishing in the top ten. And I saw the picture of his ankle after. Yeah, it was gruesome. It was gruesome. The fact that this guy walked 28 miles in four days and finished in the top ten—what an accomplishment for him playing in his first Masters. He had Dustin Johnson that didn't get to compete last year because he had the back injury. You know, was Jordan Speeth going to get his 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 golf game together considering he's been going through the putting woes. He comes back, shoots a 64, almost ties the Masters record for course record, which was a 63. And and then you had Ricky Fowler and then you had who they all call who's been a, a, a rider top phenom. Patrick Reed. He, he was, it's amazing. He builds his lead. The other storyline is you had Rory McIlroy. He is going for his, the, 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 grand slam. It's only been done by five other golfers. All he needed to do was win the masters. He put himself in position on moving day. He was three strokes behind the lead. He ended up not having a good final day. You had to feel for him. So Patrick Reed held on strong And he beat Ricky Fowler by one stroke, 1,500 to 1,400. And uh, it was just a fantastic tournament from start to finish.
0: Let me add one thing. Uh, I know you're a big Tiger Woods guy. You and I have had this debate before, if I'm not mistaken. He's finished. All right? Can we move on? Can we stop with the Tigers back? Can we stop with the Tigers back?
1: Listen, Joe, I agree. He didn't have his best showing. He finished one over for the tournament. But this is the first time the guy's playing a major in years, so I'm not ready to close the door. I know you already have the door shut. Yeah, what That's didn't we fine. make a bet?
0: Was that our last bet, case of beer?
1: Yeah, we we did make a bet, but there's still a lot of golf to be played okay. from now until when the bet ends.
0: So okay.
1: all, all you podcasters, all our fans out there, stay tuned because I guarantee you I'm going to win this damn bet. Did
0: you just call, Did you call out the brotherly love nation?
1: All 18 Absolutely. of them? We I need it. to start our new
0: nation. 10-9-8 76ers Woo! winning tonight 15 in a row. Break up the band, my goodness. A 51-win team, your Philadelphia 76ers. Unbelievable. By the way, this is without the best big man in all of hoops and JoJo. Um, how are they getting this thing done, Mita?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's just been a collection of a team buying into the coach. You're basically growing throughout the season. And you got to give the front office a lot of credit. They signed two guys off the scratch. Trust the process. Were actually, yep, dismissed by Atlanta. They signed two two Euros, two Euros studs. Marco Bellinelli. Here's Sonny Sova, who spent some time in the Sixers organization. And they just loaded up with some great firepower. What this team was lacking throughout the you know middle course of the year, was, okay, if Ben Simmons and JoJo and Redick aren't scoring, you know, who's going to pick it up? Who's going to pick it up coming off the bench? And they sign these two guys during the course of the season, and what a difference. It's just, I mean, they're burning down the nets from three-point line. JoJo gets hurt in that freak accident. It's great to see Markel Fultz contributing on a night-in, night-out basis. I, I just love that because, you know, I feel like People were giving that kid the short end of the stick, that he was a bust, that he was, you know, just the wrong draft pick. And it's just – it's been amazing. They tied – I mean, no, they set – I'm not sorry, not tied. They set the franchise record for consecutive wins in a season with 15. They got Milwaukee tomorrow night. Now, think about that. Think about that. If they win tomorrow night against Milwaukee, that's 16 straight – That means they've won 52 games this year, okay? Think about that, 52 games. They won 29 games last year, and the year before that, they won 10 games. So all these people that were hating on the process, that didn't think it was a good way to go, listen, I know this fan base was suffering for years. We saw trash. We didn't see NBA talent on the court night in and night out. But when you look at the big picture here, and you got to give Sam Hankey some credit, people, what he set this franchise up, it's paying dividends. And all I can tell you this if the Sixers find a way to land the biggest free agent in the land next year, and people know who I'm talking about, that's right, LeBron James, good luck to the rest of the NBA. Because what this team has done, I mean, Joel Embiid, he's played. I think he's played, I think he's played 63 games this season. Could you imagine if he played 70 games, 75 games, 70? 70, can you imagine how many more wins they'd have? They would almost be looking at a 60-game win season. I mean, it's tremendous. And for all these people that don't want to give Brett Brown to put him in the conversation talk of Coach of the Year, you got to be kidding me. Some people are giving the praise to Dwayne Casey, The Toronto Raptors, I get it. They've had a phenomenal year. But people need to keep in mind that that team was in the Eastern Conference Finals against Cleveland this year. You're talking about a 20-game increase with the Philadelphia 76ers. Unheard of. And let's talk about Ben Simmons. The way this guy is played, I was – I don't want to call myself a disbeliever. I don't know what the proper term is. I was very skeptic that he would be able – to play the point guard position effectively, and the guy has proved me wrong night in, night out. And if this guy ever develops a 17 foot jumper, the league better take notice. And for all these people that think Donovan Mitchell of the Utah Jazz and he wants to toot his own horn, that he's the rookie of the year, and that idiot in New York, Stephen A. Smith, who doesn't know crap from whatever, okay, Ben Simmons is the rookie of the year. Okay, He didn't play a single game last year. Was he in the system? Sure. But he didn't play one game. So by NBA rules, he's considered a rookie, and he should run away with the Rookie of the Year.
0: I can't agree with you anymore. I mean, it's not even close. Ben Simmons, all right? I'm going to steal some some stats here from Ruben Frank. On Twitter, Ruben Frank, the longtime uh, Philly columnist and reporter, said this the other day. Over the last 50 years... Only 28 NBA players, okay? Only 28 NBA players over the last 50 years have more career triple-doubles than Ben Simmons. The last 50 years, only 28 guys, more career triple-doubles. And Simmons is a rookie. Think about that. That's insanity, all right? Now here, let me take this next level, Johnny Mita. The 76ers won more games the past month than they won during the 621-day span from March 27, 2015, through December 6, 2016. More games in one month than they won in 621 days. The process is in full swing. Absolutely. I mean, it's unbelievable no the turnaround. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's. I don't know if in sports we've seen anything like this. You know, I, I haven't I, stopped. To, I I, I, haven't, I haven't stopped to look back at. And put too much, but just talking off the top of my head here, like really, when was the last time a team was so god-awful for so long and has had a breakout kind of renaissance season like this? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, you know, 20, 30-point turnarounds in the NHL. Would have Colorado just finished with the last worst record in the NHL this year, and they're they're in the playoffs. So it does happen. Teams go from worst to first. But this is just remarkable. The fact that they could be the three-seed, sniff the two-seed, yeah. the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Really? I mean, I, hey.
1: The I mean, over/under in Vegas was like forty. Oh, games I was gonna say, games. yeah,
0: you're counting your yeah, money, man. you're printing that money.
1: Oh my god, which would have dropped in ten in Vegas when we were out there. And then yeah, they, they, it's like Colin Cowherd. He's like, I don't care how big oh. these, they won't win forty games."
0: Yeah, well, Colin, eat your words. Yeah, because and he won't. They, nah. He said the he other day that they're fun, they're interesting. He likes watching them, but he doesn't think they're winning more than a round. And we'll see. Any experience in the postseason is good for this team. They need it. They need the young players to get that experience, and and they're going to yeah. get it. They're going to go right into the fire. They're playing with house money. I feel like, um, yeah, they're red hot. Great they got line. a lot of confidence, and you know what? At home this year, they've been almost unbeatable. Uh, they,
1: the, the other thing is they don't know any better. Like right, and that's the beauty. When you look at experience, you're like, does it play a role, especially in the NBA? A lot of times is. The NBA kind of breaks down. It's not like a college basketball tournament where you see upsets. You look at the NBA; it's like, all right, who are the best four teams in the league? Pretty much, it goes to chalk. They end up being in the last four teams, but who's to say that this team, this team, can't get to the Eastern Conference Finals? And not only that, the fact that something that we haven't touched about is that Kyrie Irving is done for the season. They were the number two seed or, uh, yeah, in the East, he's done for the season. That is huge news because that just gives, and the NBA Power Ranking Show came out today. ESPN had the Sixers at, like, number four behind I mean, the Rockets, the Warriors, and the Raptors. They're now, they, were number,
0: they have the second-best yeah. winning percentage in the league since basically the calendar year, and they have, yeah. and they're now four-to-one to win the Eastern Conference. They started the year at 20-to-one. Vegas doesn't yeah. move lines like that very often.
1: No, and you also look at, like, after after the All-Star break. I mean, this team has been unbeatable at home. I think they're, like, 19-1. I don't know what the stat is, but it's they haven't lost many games after the break at home. And being the three seed, that means that you're going to be playing at home for the first round.
0: Let's jump to the ice as we switch gears here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. Going four for four, pretty much. Touching on everything, my friends. That's what we love to do on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. After a two-year absence from the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Philadelphia Flyers are headed back to the big dance. And what do we got, Johnny Mita, but a intrastate showdown with the two-time... Oh, I'm going to throw up in my mouth. Two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins in round one. And I like the Flyers, to win it in six, and let me tell you why. The Philadelphia Flyers, I think they're going to lose game one tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. Then they're going to win the next three games of the series. They'll lose game five in Pittsburgh, and they will wrap it up on home ice in game six because Claude Giroux is playing out of his mind. By the time the series starts to move and evolve on, Brian Elliott will have found his game back between the Flyers' pipes. You have young defensemen in Provorov and Bear a deep pairing right now to be reckoned with. And you have all kinds of secondary scoring. Now, the little bit I watched down the stretch, I didn't even see a lot from my my boy Black Jesus. I didn't see a lot from Wayne Simmons. They didn't need him. But think about the type of presence he can be in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Net front, power play, being physical. I think right now the Flyers have a good mix of speed, youth, and experience with some physicality. And I think that this year... They're going to take down the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins, and advance on to play the winner of the Caps and the Blue Jackets. And I think Columbus is coming out in that series. So I think you got a Flyers versus Bob second-round series. That's my prediction.
1: Everybody knows how much I just hate Pittsburgh. Um, you bring up a lot of good points. Claude Giroux has really, um, you know, the season that he that he has had this year has been absolutely incredible.
0: Shutting up the haters. I think so.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think both of us were kind of down um, yeah. well, on him. How could was, you
0: not be? His point total was going down. The team wasn't winning yeah. as much. He didn't seem to yeah, have the same true. jump in his step. I mean, he deserved any criticism he got, to be fair. Voracek had taken yeah. over the face of the team in some aspects. Wayne Simmons could say the same thing. Uh, but right now, this is Claude Drew's team. And you know, come playoff time, he usually elevates his game. And look, I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. It's always hard to beat the champs, especially when a guy like Crosby, one of the game's top competitors ever, is across the other sheet of ice. But I just don't see. I just I love the mojo the Flyers have. They're playing good hockey down the stretch. They've got their starting goaltender back, and I don't know that they win Game One, but I think they win the series in six.
1: Uh, You know, I love your prediction. Here's what I'll tell you: the one thing with Pittsburgh is you got to understand, like. They've played a lot of hockey in the last two years. Oh, yeah. It catches lot. up with you. They and you just wonder, is now going to be the time where they catch up? If you look at the Flyers, the one thing that, that the Penguins are going to have over them is, you know, what, what is the goaltending going to be like for the Flyers? Is it going to be able to stand up? Because when they played the Pittsburgh Penguins all year— they pretty much given up five goals a game, yep. which is not great at all. So for me, it's going to be... As one of the Flyers, is Brian Elliott, is he going to be able to steal one of these games? Because he just has an unbelievable performance. Yeah. But you, you got to like their chances. They played well down the stretch, and they do have the firepower. They are pretty young on the blue line when it comes to the young defensemen. But again you know they don't know any better. So now it's time to see uh, you, know, you know what what they're going to bring to the table. And this is a very important series for the coach, Dave Paxson. How is he going to get this team prepared? How are they going to find ways ways to win the series? And uh, it's it, it's going to be great because it's it's such a great rivalry in the NHL. It's going to be great theater and I think everybody in this area And you look at the run some of these teams have gone on, and the Sixers are in the playoffs. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a Philadelphia fan, and uh, it's going to be great. Looking forward to it.
0: Let me give you the rest of my first-round predictions. Tampa Bay over New Jersey. Toronto upsets Boston. The Blue Jackets take down the Caps. Flyers over Pens. Western Conference, I like the Sharks over the Ducks. The Kings and the Golden Knights is a bit of a coin flip. L.A. obviously has the experience. Las Vegas has been one of the best teams all year long. I see a long series there. I'll take the Kings because I hate Marc-Andre Fleury. Wild and Jets, I'll take the Wild because they pay me, and I will go with the (laughs) Nashville Predators to route the Colorado Avalanche. So I got the Preds, the Wild, the Kings, the Sharks, the Flyers, the Blue Jackets, the Leafs and the Lightning to advance on to the next round. I'm not going past there right now, but I do have a feeling Nashville's got another run in them. And out east, you know, I know Boston had a heck of a year, but again, I think a kid like Austin Matthews can be a difference maker. They've got a head coach that's won a Stanley Cup, Mike Babcock. I'd keep my eyes on Toronto in the east as far as a team that could have a run in them.
1: Yeah, I agree, buddy. I agree. Real
0: quick, Philadelphia Flyers, or Philadelphia Flyers, Philadelphia Phillies not the best start uh-huh. for manager Gabe Kapler but uh the phils get back to 500 i believe tonight with the win yeah yep, Jets jetpack uh scottie jetpack with the with the salami yeah
1: got a lot
0: of so the you young kids young the kids computer. young kids last couple of nights you got nick williams pinch hit dinger kingery grand slam Aaron Nola gets his first win uh things looking up for the fight phils good news is they're playing terrible baseball teams in the Marlins' last series and the Reds' this series. And so at least uh, at least the Phils have had a chance to catch a little break in the schedule and try and get a little confidence going.
1: Yeah, uh, it's been a uh, crazy start to the season, uh, especially early when Gabe Kapler made a very questionable coaching decision. And he pretty much in the first couple of games, he used like 20 pitchers, which and you can look that up in the record books. I don't know if ever, anyone has ever done that. I get the analytic approach. I understand that's the way baseball is trending. But when it comes to managing a baseball team, a lot of it comes down to feel. And I think you also have to be a player's coach. And that was one thing that Charlie Manuel, you know, he wasn't the brightest tactician or strategy guy when it came to making moves. And But at the same time, his players loved him. Had a great deal of respect for him. Nick Williams comes out and pretty much just says, well, I guess the computer told me not to play. And it just, this manager, man, it's going to be interesting. He, he has a lot of, it's got a lot of the Chip Kelly feel
0: to me right yeah, now. Yeah, I know. Me too, uh, man. He's trying yeah, to be me. bold, be different, sports science. Yeah, well, guess what? This game's been played for like two decades, bro.
1: Exactly. You know, and I, I know baseball's I baseball's as old
0: as time. <laughs>
1: exactly. And I know everybody's talking about damn analytics and I get it. But at the same time, there's just it's just such an old game where things really haven't changed that much and you gotta let your starting pitchers go. I mean, there's gonna be times where they get rough. Well, especially up, when but, the
0: bullpen stinks.
1: Yeah, and, you, and two of the guys that they signed are pretty much on the DL right. that they thought were going to be key contributors. Right. So it just, it's just, I don't know. It's um, it, it's going to be an interesting year. We'll see if he can last the entire year. We were all skeptical of Doug Peterson. People are kind of drawing the comparisons. What? We no to run way. him out.
0: Who was skeptical I, about Poopy Peterson? I love that guy. Oh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I
1: well, had him
0: going to Canton as soon as they hired him. Don't you remember? <laughs> I do remember. Yeah, but I bet you do. What I'm saying is, yeah, I'm with you. Give him like, some time. Well, I mean, give him some time. But all, all right. the
1: players, yeah. no matter how bad some of the decisions the Eagles made, some of him going for it, you know, the year before they won the Super Bowl, his players always seem yes, to have his back. They
0: did. That's a great. And
1: point. I don't. And I don't know if that's the case with this baseball team. And when you're when one of your players is kind of. Starting the commotion Especially of... Especially a young guy, I'm, by the way. A young guy. I'm not playing enough now. Apparently, he had a talking to. Bam, he throws him in as a pinch hitter last night. Guy hits a home run. Crazy. Yeah.
0: But no, look, just, there is there is fearful
1: that this is not going to turn out the way there is, we want it.
0: The, there is always the situation where you can rally around your teammates and play in spite of your manager. Now, we're 10 games into the season... I would hope that the Phillies haven't hit that point already. But as this team grows, if they really do hate their manager's guts, maybe they can at least, hey, we're going to play in spite of this guy's weirdness, and in spite of his quirkiness, in spite of the analytics. Again, I'm just talking off the top of my head there, but that does happen from time to time where players just go, you know what, screw it, forget this guy, let's just go out and play good baseball. Um, All right, let's get to, um, I have a rant that's a bit out of date now, but I want to get to it. Go for it. Drop it. This was like a week or two ago, two weeks ago, probably. We were on hiatus, and I was just already tired of the Michael Bennett story. Like, I'm just tired of it. And I know it hasn't been the news in a couple weeks now, but this was what I wanted to rant about had we podcasted a couple weeks back. Like, I'm just already sick and tired of Michael Bennett. He hasn't taken a snap in an Eagles uniform yet, and I'm already like, well, if they got rid of him, I don't really care. So, that's all I gotta say really, is just like, uncle with the Michael Bennett situation and all this drama, like the Eagles avoided drama last year and look where it got them. So, Michael Bennett, if you're a weird duck, if you're a different bird, a good teammate, a bad teammate, I don't know, but just stay out of the headlines until until the ball is snapped at least in September and then from here on out, can we just hear about Michael Bennett doing things positively in the community and winning, helping the Eagles win football games? Whether he's guilty, innocent, whatever, I don't care. I'm just already tired of it. And again, it hasn't been on the forefront in a couple of weeks, but there was that five, six-day span there where nobody knew what was going on. Did the Eagles get burned? Did they have any details on it? Like, just, I'm tired of it already.
1: Yeah. I mean, I really don't have much to contribute. I think things are going to play itself out in court. It's um, yeah, we'll see. That's all we can say.
0: What do you got? You got a rant? Yeah,
1: I got a rant. I got a rant. I'm going to talk about Major League Baseball games being simulcast on freaking Facebook Live. Well, hang on right? the one
0: the one that, Phillies game wasn't even simulcast. It was broadcast exclusively on Facebook, right? Yeah,
1: that that that's exactly what I mean. And I think Major League Baseball is going to regret that decision considering the turmoil that Facebook is in right now. But listen, you want this game to grow. You want people to get involved. to make it available, okay? If it's, only face, if it's on Facebook and you can only get it through the Internet, just make sure that it's available locally, for God's sakes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, so many people just want to watch. It's the beginning of the season. Everyone's curious. And, and you just go make a move like that. It was just, it was just an ass night move, and it just, I don't know. That bugs me. Like, you want games to grow. You want professional sports to, to, to pique the interest of the fans, the viewers, to make it. The more you make it available to people, the more they're gonna watch. The more there's gonna be interest. So like, do yourself a favor, Major League Baseball, cut ties with that crap with faith just cut ties just end that relationship and just make it available to everyone okay it's just so ridiculous where people have to go and search and they have to have some type of device and a great internet connection to watch a game okay let's, let's, it's such an old game let's go back to America's pastimes. let's just make it available for the masses and that's all I have to say Come on, Major League Baseball. You should be ashamed of yourself for that type of money grab move. Or I don't know how much money Facebook paid them to have the broadcasting rights, but it's absolutely absurd in my opinion.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I Well said. I didn't watch that game, and I would have been.
1: Yeah, I
0: didn't
1: either. I didn't even know how to get to it. And I'm on Facebook. I don't know. That's the other thing. I mean, seriously, how many people, the fan base, you look at people that are like baseball fans. How many baseball fans are like over the years of like 60 years old and older? A ton of them. A ton of them. You think they're firing up Facebook like, oh, let me see where the game is? No. 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 Terrible.
0: Especially since they had some like, they had some wacky announcing crew on there. They pulled like Kruk in. They had some dude repping the rapping the Mets, and then some like Facebook broadcaster on there. What's that? Yeah,
1: about? i mean, family. Uncle. that's Some thing. It was just an. I mean, look, anyone's better. Anyone's
0: better than moves. Anyone's better than Moogs. Yeah, Moogs blue blue. moves. your boy moves. love moves. Brutal. All right, on the fly, random question. You're unprepared. I'm pre- unprepared. Why don't you start, brother?
1: All right. Should Carter Hart be the starting goaltender for the Philadelphia Flyers? at the start of the regular season next year?
0: That's a great question. Um, I would say it, it solely depends on training camp. They should give the kid every opportunity to come in and win the battle. If he can't, you send him right to the minors, and I'll tell you why. Because there are a slew of National Hockey League goaltenders that have spent considerable time in the minor leagues. In fact, as low even as the A level, the ECHL. Jonathan Quick played in the ECHL. He's won Stanley Cups. You look across the American Hockey League graduates, guys out of the AHL. Ben Bishop played in the AHL. He's obviously had a great National Hockey League career. Carey Price played briefly in the American Hockey League, one of the best goaltenders on the planet. I mean, should I go on? there? You, you look up and down. And the American Hockey League, the ECHL, they have produced great goaltenders. You can get a ton of experience. You can see a ton of shots. You can play back-to-back nights. It gets you ready for the NHL. So, Carter Hart, if he's all-world, let him prove it in September in training camp. If he's not ready, you send him to Lehigh Valley. He plays 50-plus games with the Phantoms, and he's ready to go the following year.
1: All right, brother. I like it.
0: All right. On to my on-the-fly for you. And we are uh, switching gears a bit. National Football League the National Football Conference, the NFC East Division, some turmoil with the New York football Giants. John Mita, does Odell Beckham Jr. suit up for the Giants this season, or is he elsewhere, or is he holding out? Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I believe I believe that they're going to uh, – well, he came into to the OTAs because it would have cost him $8.5 million uh, bonus. Yeah, I think he's going to be New York Giant. What Odell Beckham needs to understand is – Okay, you're not going to make $20 million as a receiver. So you you need to take a look in the mirror, okay, and understand what some of the top three, four wide receivers can pay in the game and come to that conclusion. Because you're not going to make more money than the quarterback. And you look at teams that have overpaid just one particular guy, and the perfect example is the Baltimore Ravens paying Joe Flacco like $26 million. That franchise hasn't been the same since they won the Super Bowl. So he just needs to get his head together. He needs to pull the distractions off the field. And if he wants to get paid, he needs to become a professional. So I believe he will be with the Giants next year. I don't see any team that's going to risk giving up two first-round draft picks for yes. Is he a proven commodity on the field? Absolutely. 100%. But there's also that other side of him, that wild card side, that joker side that you don't know – if he's going to get himself in trouble, and if you make a move like that, you give up two first-round draft picks, and then it turns out this guy gets suspended for something he did off the field or something else happened, or he, he starts more turmoil in your locker room, it's just not a good thing. So I believe he will be with the Giants.
0: All right, good stuff, brother. I'm going to leave you with one last thought on the Philadelphia 76 or something I jotted down on my phone notepad a couple weeks ago. It's like a steel trap, that thing. Um, when Markel Foltz made his debut afterwards, he seemed to be under the, uh, the, the white hot light. And that post-game kind of media scrum, he didn't really answer questions much. He was sweating bullets, man. He was sweating bullets. And this was post-game. So what I, my prediction is that at some point we're going to have a piece penned by Fultz for the athletic that talks about whatever he was battling. I think there's some anxiety issues there, some confidence issues Maybe something that needed to be medicated or just worked on uh, through therapy, counseling. I have a feeling something was up with Markel Fultz that wasn't obviously a major shoulder injury. That's not a news flash. Most of us think there's some other type of something else going on. I have a feeling that at some point when the season is over, you're going to see Markel Fultz shed a little bit of light into some anxiety issues he was battling. It's my prediction. Hope I'm wrong. Hope the kid's healthy. Yeah. But I have a feeling that's down the line for us.
1: No. And, you know, you talk about the athletic. I mean, that's how Kevin Love came out, the the great, phenomenal all star for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You know, he essentially had a panic attack on the court, had to leave. He had a lot of teammates question him. But we all see, you know, in this country, you know, mental illness is is a big problem, it's a problem that gets overlooked. and, And there's so much stress and pressure that goes with you've been the best your entire life. Now you're the number one pick. Now you're hoping to lift this new franchise back to Basketball Heights where it was before a championship program. So the stress of that, but I agree with you. I can totally see that happening. However, I was still in stick by this point. I think the Sixers medical staff is a bunch of idiots, and I think they had a lot to do with that. I think the front office had something to do with it because they didn't want to sit a player down – For like, what, three consecutive years where your number one draft pick doesn't play an entire season? I think that has something to do with it, but, you know, I think there is something to it. And if he comes out with a piece like that, I know this fan base, yes, we're tough on our athletes, but if you come out and you give the fans the honesty, the truth, this is what I'm battling, I guarantee you, if he plays hard each and every single night, This fan base will totally get behind him and try to help him out with whatever he's facing in the future.
0: Well said, brother. I agree. Uh, By the way, fan base is hard on managers as well. Gabe (laughs) Kapler finding out the hard way. And enough of this. Enough of this. Stop booing him. No, keep booing him. He needs to understand what it's like to be in Philly. A little tough love never hurt anyone. No doubt. So if he's got an issue with it, don't be a bonehead. Don't be a bonehead. And take this team back to relevance on the baseball field. And guess what? The booing will stop. Charlie Manuel's as beloved as anyone in this town. Doug Peterson the same way. Why? Because they got it done when it mattered. All right, that's it. The Brotherly Love Podcast. Sorry for the long break. We'll try and be more consistent down the line. Go Flyers. Go Sixers. Go Phils. Johnny Meade, you're the man. You got it, brother. Appreciate all the love and support. Till next time, Brotherly Love Podcast. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.